0: Welcome to Mr. Brown's it Hour Where time is a place Where the skies evening gorgeous Where the moon waxes and wanes And poetry is the stuffing in our face Making Bear's violet hour I'm Mr bear happy to be back with you the end of May for the full moon which is also another super moon and apparently a super blood moon because it was also a total lunar eclipse turn around bright eyes you know uh, uh, a full moon blood super moon total lunar eclipse of the heart uh anyway I even I read um red astrologers are issuing a blood supermoon warning, uh, that a lot of breakups are going to happen. So, you know, watch out for that. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, I, I have a, uh, a new, a new show for you. Um, kind of excited about it doing, doing something a little different, uh, today. Um, I'm going to be reading to you from Meg Pokras' new book, Spinning to Mars, which is a collection of micros. And uh, Meg Pokras is a fantastic writer and editor. Uh, She is the founding editor of New Flash Fiction Review. And she's also the founding editor and co editor of the best micro fiction anthology series. Well, she's kind of queen of the micros, and uh, her new book, Spinning to Mars, is a collection of 70 linked micro stories about relationships and the difficulties of love. So that fits right in with our uh, super blood moon and breakup warnings, doesn't it? Um, Anyway, Spinning to Mars is coming out in June and you'll be able to pick up your own copy then, but you can have a little sneak peek now and I'm going to be reading selections from it uh, over uh, music from the house band here at the Violet Hour, which is Sugar Whiskey. Hope you enjoy. time in the bungalow he owns she sits and watches the clock not to complicate she knits, bakes cornbread dances away the ice inside her fingers once she carved his name into the shy part of a potato back then There was a cat, sand, and a beach. Ride to Mars. See the red planet in my eyes, kitten? Dad said, teeth stacked up like snow cones. Only vertical trip worth taking. Sometimes, It feels as if he's still sitting around waiting for the milky world to line up and trust him People will fall for anything Some dangle the promise of a ride to Mars Others dangle the promise of home music. You're 15 and a boy is coming over. He bounces like music, but looks like a human frog, all buggy-eyed and bubble-cheeked. You're not sure why you want to touch him. On the way to school, he walks beside you, careful not to interrupt your gait. You let him kiss you on the mouth. He lives near the racetrack, waits like a shadow. We're too young for anything, you say. You kiss each other's faces, but the melody comes later, behind the cafeteria. Waited for the phone to ring For money to plump itself up and walk through their door Moments passed with yarn and crochet hooks She made hats that never fit Put them away in a trunk with games they didn't play She twirled her hair like twine Her mother sat alone on Saturdays yelled at politicians on television She dreamt about kissing the bubble-cheeked boys who ran around the playing field Wave riders The thrill of pony rides The quiet of a tourist park in October The feeling that her father was looking at her But she couldn't remember his face Growing up on the warm beaches Her belly button was open to the world like an eye Watching for trouble Boys were called conch and bong They rode waves and she watched them. Rupture, she is feeling sorry for herself when the earthquake begins and her house starts to wobble. Hard to calculate the strength of such a rupture. Everything falls the house sort of cracks nobody calls but the phone rings sister she says it is two o'clock the cat skitters off somewhere and nobody is upset yet there is so much wrong her garden working in her winter garden was like deciding which patches of life were worth keeping bright sky days she'd sing to the feral cats she was harming nothing weeds kill everything eventually friends who disapproved of her choices had already grown distant they lived in healthier climates Tended gardens with direct sunlight. Night Heron. She spied him on the platform standing flamingo-like, one clog on the ground, stretching his quadriceps. It seemed the air around him was moving toward a decision. His outer layer was shiny and black. Shards of memory hung from his face. She was splendid back then. Her heart soft as a persimmon. He spied her too, right as the train was curling into the station. She tried to work the odds to fish for her gloves while making her way closer. Since then, she's felt bug bitten and small. He was shorter than her, with a night heron slouch, gelled up feathers nobody has ever been able to identify. weather bad horrible of course well it always is this time of year that sucks really i'm used to it right sure it is depressing but it really doesn't get to me i'm glad to hear it okay it's hard but you get used to it so true we do get used to our lives whatever they are well not really i mean it is impossible to not wish for better true what do you wish for I wish for something better. Hammer toe. Now you awake with your mother's hammer toe. In this tightness, you have become her how often she told you it hurt. You never knew exactly what to say. You do not know how to comfort yourself since she died. So you complain about your hammer toe to anyone who will listen. This is how you commune with your mother who lives in your little toe. photograph. The one sitting next to you at your mother's dining room table was in love with you. Silently, you thought of him as cute, but dumb. Not smart enough for you. Your mother confirmed this after winning 10 games of Scrabble against him, tallying the score. But the two of you look so happy in this New Year's Day photo, leaning into your glasses of champagne, smiling at your mother. of waiting. She preferred his brown coffee mugs, the ones that felt strong. She knew he would cook for her, would drive up, and be able to park and say things men say. Things like, a broken house doesn't matter, I can fix it. Just the thought of it made her twirl. She'd bang up against the windows, blind to glass. took long walks and let your mind dance stupidly the holidays would be the worst part no turning away from it your marriage over your mother had died you reminded yourself that you had a new land a part-time lover and the atlantic was as still as a lake for the first time since you were little you could see your breath in winter you could point to it and say there it is. For the rest of your life, you'd find sneaky ways to feed the memories that scratched on your door, trying to get in. anticipation. When he brings over the donuts, they'll gawk at them and sniff them inside the box for an hour before taking a bite. The shape of lust is round, the solid feeling that a person isn't the same flavor every day, even if they are. Some days, the glaze is thicker. This one is for you, he'll say because it reminds me of your smile. Dream of the cat. You were slouching in your bedroom alone again, an adult person, mother and wife, thinking of how the hills seemed shattered in front, but lit from behind. Why was it that way and not the other? Trying not to blink, feeling the cat still there in the house, trapped. It might have had something to do with the dream of a dying cat who had never really died. How the cat dreams kept getting stronger as the house grew weaker. cursed night. You remember when you turned 16 and there was a bubbling as though a tightly filled creek had reached the edge. You were full of anger and swallowed it down. You'd dance with a man naked if he would take you inside his house and listen. You believed it was time to dance with the cursed night. You were never afraid of hell only of being a girl in a house full of so many turned-off lights. BINGO When the woman was young, she fell for a clown called Bingo. She thought he probably loved her back. His trained mime's fingers made her feel friendly. Her toes made the clown happy too, but sometimes he'd bite. Love bites, he'd call them. It would hurt like hell and she'd cry, but she let him know how much she needed those wounds, how he reminded her of her father, who died when she was five. It doesn't really hurt, she'd say. she cried during all the parts that no one else remembered to cry at all in a movie is scrunching up in the corner of your life and seeing what is sad or good but wrong or what could have been she cried inwardly so maybe crying was not the right word for what she did the correct word would not please her anyway she didn't feel alone when alone But sometimes, she felt so next to others. Blue Heron At the airport, he met up with his great blue heron. It had been slouching near a nasty spill of chili fries in the first floor cafe. This was the cafe where he'd left you, and the bird, with a two-hour wait before boarding the plane. His ex was at the hospital and his phone kept ringing. He buzzed and rang and limped through the airport as though hobbled by sound. She'll never stop trying to win him back, will she? He said to the tall, disoriented bird. When she moved in with Bob, she found out how quiet a human could be. There was just this nothingness between them over a dish of strawberries. Bob and his shiny eyes fixated on the dogs. I sure love these pups, you'd say, trying to loosen the conversation, to kick up an echo. He'd stare at his fork. This kept her losing weight, not a bad outcome entirely. She was half the woman she used to be. Hard to find her own squeaky voice, so she took to visiting another man in dreams. She'd call him Moosewick, this moose of a man who sang as if he'd reinvented the Broadway musical, who talked so much her ears became embroidered. They sit outside at the summer cafe, whole lobsters on plates in front of them. He smiles a worried old man smile, a smile she's come to know from photographs. You're as pretty as I thought you'd be, he says. You look just like your mother, only kinder around the eyes. I've brought you something, she says hands her father a paperweight a clear block of amber with an ancient cockroach stuck inside it interesting he says what else would you expect from your kid the question will always remain encrusted between them why did he leave on her fifth birthday right as she was learning to fly they set about trying to look fearless pulling their lobsters apart. You're better than me with these prickly things, he says, not smiling. She tears the legs from their lobsters, breaks them in half, watches his face while she pries out the meat, raises a severed leg to the sky. Now, in dreams, the diluted tortoise shell claims your bed, the cats taking shifts. In the morning, you crave the white one feverishly, her smell, her girth. Tequila helps, the feeling of it padding down the hallway of your throat. Rust. You thought about the pigeon-colored vase he'd given you on your 15th anniversary. It has been sitting in the yard since the big cat died. You'd cut your last flowers during the time the cat began failing. The world's best cat. There was no other and never would be. And you couldn't bring the vase inside anymore. Let it rust, you thought. This is how things were with the two of you now. This was why you stopped worrying about any of it. Wonderful cats They rescued the two middle-aged cat brothers from the pound Yay And the brothers warmed up the dining room Colored the windows The infection in their hearts worked like a miner's headlamp back then Showed them things and ideas Such as save some old cats And then the light turned the other way You know how confusion paralyzes one's best instincts, works by dismembering what is barely there, a man, a woman, a tattered house, many wonderful cats. Enjoyed that preview of Spinning to Mars, Meg Pokras' new collection. You can find out more about Meg and her writing and about Spinning to Mars and how to get your own copy at her website, megpokras.com. That's M E G P O K R A S S.com. And you can find out more about Sugar Whiskey at sugarwhiskey.bandcamp.com. An extra special thank you to Dan Nielsen for his production magic there. I guess it's time for a little mosaic. On today's snack is a writing prompt from Tommy Dean. And Tommy Dean is a flash fiction writer. He's also editor of Fractured Lit and Uncharted Mag and he teaches creative writing, and he is starting a new uh, newsletter uh, about flash fiction called Flash Perspectives, and he was kind enough to share a prompt with The Violet Hour, so here we go. I love when writers can make me see the body in a different light, how they can make me contemplate what it means to be alive, to consider the separation of the physical and the ethereal. In A Lustrous Interior, Tara Isabel Zambrano makes the inside of our physical bodies fall to the outside, and we're left considering what it means when our bodies fall apart. Zambrano is one of my favorite sensual writers. Everything she writes makes us aware of all of our senses as we read, immersing us in more than just a story. On just a side note, I featured Tara Isabel Zambrano's beautiful book, Death, Desire, and Other Destinations, in episode four. So if you missed that, you can find it on the website, theviolethoursaloon.com. Okay, back to the prompt, and here is the piece, A Lustrous Interior, by Tara Isabel Zambrano. My heart falls out on a sidewalk, a thick fluid staining the concrete. I gather the pieces and shove it in my pocket, drops of blood on my inner thighs. At home, I staple it, crisscross it with scotch tape, try to balance it on the kitchen counter, but it cracks open like a pomegranate, a dark constellation of want in the center. I pull it apart with a fork, wash it clean of twigs, dirt, and despair. I wonder what it would say if it had a mouth. If words would fall like seeds and sprout a language I'd hardly understand. Try to focus on evoking the senses in ways that make us think differently about the body, the mind, the world around us. One hundred word stories don't often have the luxury of relying on the conventional. I love how boldly this story starts with a crisis, but there's nothing hysterical in the tone. How quickly the insides move to the outsides, creating tension and conflict. I love how well this is filtered through the point of view. Each sentence gives us an action taken, a specific way of seeing and responding to this particular conflict. Notice what is left out as well. There's no screams of other characters on the street, no sounds of the city as they pick up their heart. The reader can fill this all in because the narrator doesn't have time to mention it. They are on a rescue mission, and only the actions to save themselves can be related, can be written down for the reader. And notice the simile, the use of figurative language in the center of this narrative. How the heart and fruit are compared, juxtaposed. How outside of the body, the heart is no more useful or important than a piece of fruit. And yet, the narrator must fix this problem. How the narrator can compare it to the mouth, another organ. How the pieces of the body, once they have left the body, lose their importance. Prompt. Consider how you can make something that should be on the inside fall to the outside. I imagine this is why some people faint at the sight of blood or injuries. We don't expect the inside to transfer to the outside. There's an order to this, a system, rules that must be followed. Break these conventions, break these rules. Make opposites more important. Make the inside outside. Destroy the idea of systems of order. Put your narrator or character in peril and then follow them directly, making their choices evident. Filter out everything that's not important in the moment, knowing that the reader will fill in the gaps, the unsaid, the white space that surrounds this moment. Get weird, but specific. Plunge your hands, your mind, into the gritty of what makes us human, makes us alive, that makes us frail or powerful. Welcome to my Substack, Flash Perspectives, where several times a month I break down how a Flash story works and how you can use these craft elements in your own writing. I also include one to two prompts and a short review of what I'm reading that week. A letter for anyone that loves thinking about Flash fiction, writing craft, and writing inspiration. Find out more at tommydean.substack.com. New letter arriving in your mailboxes on Friday. Thank you so much, Tommy, for sharing that prompt with us. And you can find out more about Tommy Dean and read his writing, flash fiction, essays, interviews, and more. Find out about the classes he teaches at his website, TommyDeanWriter.com. And again, you can sign up for his newsletter, Flash Perspectives, at TommyDean.substack.com. Oh, hi Miss Mousey. It's it's good to be back. Good to see you. I'm pretty pretty crazy, uh, you know, having a super blood moon, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh yeah, you, know, you know, up here uh, on the moon where where you are, you must have had a pretty good uh, uh look at it. Oh yeah, just uh it's kinda just just nuts, just you know, blood blood red. Um uh anyway, uh, total total eclipse of the heart. I uh I uh I, I liked your little singing there. Uh, at the start of the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, little, uh, 80s, 80s reference. Oh, yeah, we should, we should do a little duet. Oh uh, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe before I go, uh, uh, I'm feeling a little nervous now all of a sudden. Oh, don't be nervous, Mr. Bear. It's just me, Miss Mousy. You're, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a two-dimensional hand-drawn mouse studying herbalism, as I like to remind your listeners. Um... But anyway, I've been enjoying the work of Meg Pokras and hearing it um, with Sugar Whiskey's music is, is kind of fun. Oh uh, yeah, I I, I I thought it was pretty fun, so uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it too. Um, uh, turn around, bright eyes. Turn around, bright eyes. Now and then I fall apart. Turn around bright eyes every now and then I fall apart <laughs> um, we should do some we should do uh, karaoke out sometime, Mr. Bear that'd be fun oh yeah yeah' we'll, we'll have to do that uh, so anyway what's what's cooking Miss Mousie? well, um I was thinking uh, all of this you know spinning to Mars that uh, maybe we could use something a little grounding oh uh, yeah what do, you, what do you have in mind? well well actually um there was an ant in my apothecary earlier and i have to admit that ants kind of kind of give me the you know willy nilly so it just get sort of um you know all bleh, you know i mean i know it's silly it's just a little ant but oh, i i I I get the same way around ants, Miss smallcy, you don't have to explain it to me. Apparently there's a, a word for it, formication, uh not fornication, formication, uh that that has to do with that unpleasant sensation of insects crawling on you. Oh uh, yeah, that's not uh, not on my list of favorite feelings. No, not me either. Um but you know what helps is betony uh wood betony stachys officinalis um there's some different things called betony so uh stachys officinalis is the uh, the latin name um but that can that can help with those you know formication feelings and the the creepy crawlies oh wow um that's that's good to know um tell tell me more about betony um well she's just a really lovely plant and I love betony tea um that's mostly uh mostly what I have I just make an infusion I put um I put some dried betony but you know if you're lucky enough to have it growing fresh you can you can make tea with the fresh um I just put it in a jar and put hot water over it and cover it and let it steep a while and and then have a delicious tea to help calm me down. Oh, that that sounds great. Um, I I'd like to put a little honey in it. Uh, oh yeah, honey honey's always makes things better. Um, but I was uh, I was doing a little reading um you know just in case you stop by, um about wood betony. Um, from Maud Grieve's A Modern Herbal. Oh, Maud Grieve, love, 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 Miss Maud Grieve. Yeah, me too. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, she was a a famous British herbalist. Um, and she published A Modern Herbal in nineteen thirty-one, and it's a it's a giant two-volume book. Uh, It's very heavy for a little paper mouse to hold, but um. It's the uh, the medicinal, culinary, cosmetic, and economic properties, cultivation, and folklore of herbs, grasses, fungi, shrubs, and trees with other modern scientific uses. Oh, that's, sounds like a lot. It is. It really is a lot. Um, But it's it's really fun to dip into it and read. And, you know, uh, like with anything, you have to think about things and take it in context. And it was written a long time ago and, you know some circumstances have changed, you know, not, you don't, you don't, for instance, always want to follow the recipes and things in here, but you find, um, you find some good, good things uh, to learn about these plants and how they were worked with in the past and, you know, and, and a lot of times uh, still how we work with them. Um, well, what did, what did you learn about uh, wood botany? Well, I thought I might read you a little bit because there's some really interesting stuff in here. Well, sure. Well, so under her entry for wood betony, uh, under history, uh, the wood betony was held in high repute, not only in the Middle Ages but also by the Greeks who extolled its qualities. An old Italian proverb: "Sell your coat and buy betony," and he has as many virtues as betony. Um. Uh, a saying uh, showing the value that's placed on its remedial properties. Um, Antonius Musa, chief physician to the Emperor Augustus, wrote a long treatise showing it was a certain cure for no less than 47 diseases. That's a lot of diseases. Yeah, sure it's handy to have betony around. Uh, I don't know about that, that coat thing, though. Sell you a coat and, and buy betony, you know. I mean, uh, I, I mean summertime I wouldn't mind, and I actually, I'm a bear. I have a fur coat, so um, but mine's pretty pretty well loved off. So I find it cold in winter. So I don't, I don't know that. I don't know about that that proverb. It's just a proverb, Mister Bear. You don't have to take it so literally. Oh yeah, you're right, Miss Mousie. Uh, what what else you got there? Well. Throughout the centuries, faith in its virtues as a panacea for all ills was thoroughly ingrained in the popular estimation. It was largely cultivated in the physic gardens, both of the apothecaries and the monasteries, and may still be found growing about the sites of these ancient buildings. Robert Turner, a physician writing in the latter half of the 17th century, recounts nearly 30 complaints for which betony was considered efficacious and adds, I shall conclude with the words I have found in an old manuscript under the virtues of it. More than all this have been proved of betony." Wow, this betony sure sounds like a popular character. And there's more. In addition to its medicinal virtues, Betany was endowed with power against evil spirits. On this account, it was carefully planted in churchyards and hung about the neck as an amulet or charm, sanctifying, as Erasmus tells us, those that carried it about them, and being also good against fearful visions and an efficacious means of driving away devils in despair. An old writer, apuleius says, it is good whether for the man's soul or for his body. It shields him against visions and dreams, and the wart is very wholesome. And thus thou shalt gather it in the month of August without the use of iron. And when thou hast gathered it, shake the mold till naught of it cleave thereon, and then dry it in the shade very thoroughly, and with its root altogether reduce it to dust, then use it and take of it when thou needst. Wow! Yeah, I know. That's one of those recipes that maybe I wouldn't um, uh, follow, you know, precisely. But it sure is fun to read, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, there's more. I'm all ears. Well, many extravagant superstitions grew up around Betany. One, a very ancient date, was that serpents would fight and kill each other if placed within a ring composed of it and others declared that even wild beasts recognized its efficacy and used it if wounded, and that stags, if wounded with a dart, would search out betony and eating it be cured. Oh, wow. I know, isn't it all fascinating? Um Marguerite also tells us the weak infusion forms a very acceptable substitute for tea, and in this way is extensively used in many localities. It has some of the taste of tea and all the good qualities of it, without the bad ones. To make betney tea, pour a pint of boiling water on an ounce of the dried herb. A wine glass full of this decoction three times a day proves a benefit against languid nervous headaches. Oh, Languist, languid, nervous headaches. Ah, uh, that's, um, that sounds kind of romantic, actually. I know, it doesn't sound like a regular headache, you know, a languid, nervous one. Ah, <sighs> get me some betony. Um, I think betony helps with lots of headaches, though. Uh, let's see, what else? The dried herb may also be smoked as tobacco. Um, a pinch of the powdered herb will provoke violent sneezing. The dried leaves formed an ingredient in Rowley's British herb snuff, which was at one time quite famous for headaches. The fresh leaves are said to have an intoxicating effect. They have been used to dye wool a fine yellow. Gerard tells us, among other uses, that betony Preserveth the lives and bodies of men from the danger of epidemical diseases. It helpeth those that loathe and cannot digest their food it is used either dry or green either the root or herb or the flowers drunk in broth or meat or made into conserve syrup water electuary or powder as every one may best frame themselves or as time or season requires he proceeds to say that the herb cures the jaundice, falling sickness, palsy, convulsions, gout, dropsy, and head troubles, and that the powder mixed with honey is no less available for all sorts of colds or cough, wheezing, of shortness of breath, of consumption. Also, that the decoction made with mead and pennyroyal is good for putrid aches, and made in wine is good as a vermifuge, and also removes obstructions of the spleen and liver. Uh, I, I am really interested in this, betony. Um It seems to uh, help with a lot of different things. Again, the decoction with wine gargled in the mouth easeth the toothache. It is a cure for the bites of mad dogs. A dram of the powder taken with a little honey and some vinegar is good for refreshing those that are wearied by travel. It stayeth bleeding at the nose and mouth, and helpeth those that spit blood, and is good for those that have a rupture and are bruised. The green herb bruised, or the juice, applied to any inward hurt or outward wound in body or head, will quickly heal and close it up. It will draw forth any broken bone or splinter, thorn or other thing gotten into the flesh, also healeth old sores or ulcers and boils. The root is displeasing both to taste and stomach, whereas the leaves and flowers, by their sweet and spicy taste, comfort both in meat and medicine. Oh well, you've really given us you and Maud Grieve have really given us a lot to think about, Miss Mousy. I know, um, but like I said, really, all you have to do is is make a cup of tea and um and and enjoy it that way. Uh, I mean, you can try some of these other things. Uh, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to try it in wine or mead or, or in a lectuary. That's when you put powdered herb mixed up in honey. Um, you know, and there's always tincture, of course. Lots of fun stuff. But like I said, just make some tea. Um, I think I will. Uh, uh, do you, do you happen to have any betony here, Miss Malsy? Maybe we could have some tea together. Oh, Sure. Sure, Mr. Bear. I'll I'll put the kettle on. Um, and you can come back um when the show's done. Okay, that that sounds great. Thanks so much, Miss Mousie. And uh, I hope you don't have any more ants up here. Um, yeah, I hope not. But um, uh, you know, we'll have we'll have some betty tea and uh and just relax. Oh, so, sounds good. Thanks, Miss Mousie. Bye. Bye, Mr. Bear. Um, be, be careful out there. You know, it's a full moon. I'm going to read you another micro from Meg Pokers' collection, Spinning to Mars. Uh, You know, they're kind of addictive. It's, It's like having just one more chocolate, you know. Traffic. When the cars did start to move, she began to remember how beautiful living near the ocean was. She remembered that her hair was growing back in and that friend said it looked good on her. She remembered that he could make a healthy dessert parfait and that she liked it even though it was loaded with stinky fish oil. All of the good things in the world, when the cars moved and the sun crept back into her face. And that's it. That's the show. Thanks so much for being here with me in the Violet Hour. I hope you've enjoyed spending the blood supermoon together. And Thanks again to Meg Pokris and Tommy Dean. You can... Check them out at their websites, dot tommydeanrider.com, and uh, I will be back with you on the new moon. Until then, uh, take care and be kind to each other. Hey, Miss Balsy, I'm back. Oh, hey, Mr. Bear, perfect timing, the kettle just boiled. Mm. Theme song and show music by Sugar Whiskey. Mr. Bear and Miss Mousy believe in radical love and kindness, in mutual aid, and empowering ourselves and our communities. Together we can dismantle the white, racist, colonizing, misogynistic, capitalist, homophobic, transphobic, ableist patriarchy. This podcast was recorded on Pottawatomie, Kickapoo, Miami, Sioux, and Peoria land text your zip code or city comma state to 907-312-5085 and find out whose land you're living on. Uh, you can also go to land.codeforanchorage.org for more information. There's also a helpful map at native-land.ca. This is just the first step in developing a land acknowledgement. Let's learn our history and honor the land and Indigenous peoples, past, present, and future. This podcast was produced in collaboration with the Boston Free Radio Podcast Network, part of bostonfreeradio.com and Somerville Media Center, Somerville's longest running public access media center that enables a vibrant and diverse community to express its creativity, explain its ideas, share its cultures, and foster the individual right to freedom of speech. Learn more about Somerville Media Center at somervillemedia.org or check out some of the other amazing Boston Free Radio podcasts and radio shows at bostonfreeradio.com. Thanks for listening.